Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Nathan Ray. And here's a bit about Nathan. He was born in Canada, raised in Ireland, currently fighting for the rights of postal workers while attending online university. And today we're going to dive into Christian theology and narrative construction. Nathan's going to explain what he means by this and why this is one of his niche areas. So without further ado, please do me an honor of welcoming Nathan Ray to GEMS Podcast. Thank you very much. Um, so I've been a Christian for most of my life. I've been obsessed with stories and storytelling for just as long. Uh, I remember when I was a child after sorting through different ideas of what I wanted to be in life, I knew that I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write stories. And the first few stories that I wrote were absolutely horrible trash, um, And uh, it it took a very long time before I had the skills to improve. Um, But those skills came about through just reading books, reading online articles about um, narratives being analyzed and how they were meant to work in a mechanical fashion in order to uh, produce the right amounts of emotions in a reader. So like, for example, uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, the monomyth, um, that sort of circular 12-step process of what a hero's journey looks like. Um, not every story follows it, um, and not every story necessarily should follow that structure. Um, but it is a very consistent structure that still manages to elicit uh, positive emotions. And I remember uh, when I was doing my research, I came across this book called The Seven Basic Plots by Christopher Broker. And it was talking about uh, the seven different uh, types of stories that are told uh, time and time again. I don't have the list off the top of my head, but I do know there's um, such stories as tragedy, comedy, um, death and rebirth, um, rags to riches, um, journey to a new world, those kinds of stories. And I, as I was reading this book, it felt like so many different uh, questions I had were being answered, um, particularly when it came to how modern stories were being told. And I, I know this might be a controversial for certain people, but I personally feel like many of the books that are on market that are aiming to tell stories, they're not doing it very well. They're not doing it in a very satisfying manner. Um, and it seems like a common criticism, like a, a common rebuttal to criticism is that um, well, it's not supposed to be satisfying. We're supposed to be portraying reality as it is, and reality is full of 
ups and downs and dead ends and disappointing moments in life and you just have to deal with it and that might be true but it's just it's not enjoyable to read it's not resonant and there's a question that kept on ringing through my mind like why is it that some stories land really well why is it that some stories don't and in the book uh it it goes not only into um, traditional Greek myths and the plays of Shakespeare. It also goes for more modern novels. Uh, I believe there's an entire uh, book, there's an entire chapter in the book uh, detailing uh, the author Thomas Hardy and uh, how he just fell into absolute cynicism and as a result, his book suffered. And then uh, the seven basic plots took a very interesting turn where it talked about how um, in the story of Christ, it was structured unlike any other story that the author had come across before. Um, there was a sense of tragedy involved, but there was the, the, the tragedy didn't result in the hero um, getting killed off for the sake of catharsis. The tragedy became a death and rebirth story and it, it just flipped everything over on its head and certain aspects of Jesus's life. Um, he wasn't particularly strong or um, I, I guess you could say hyper-masculine, the kind of uh, knight in shining armor that you might expect. Uh, he was a very average, lowly uh, carpenter and teacher who could do some miracles, yes, but uh, it wasn't like you were looking at him and thinking to yourself, wow, this guy's a superhero. And just the amount of narrative twists that were present within that story were, it's, it's, it got expanded upon and it's, it's, it just, it reached into um, what the Bible and how that was uh, constructed as well. And I, I felt like that was something that um, gave me a lot of reflection, not just as someone who wants to be a writer, but as someone who is a Christian. So then question here, um, we're going to unpack this a bit while it's marinating for the listeners and the viewers. So you men- mentioned growing up in a Christian household and, be- and being a Christian all your life. Do you feel like growing up in a Christian household plus your um, love for literary works, because it sounds like you're an avid reader and you pair those two together is what led you on this journey for Christian theology? Absolutely, yes. So um, thinking about your family dynamics, so your mom and dad, and I'm not sure, do you have any siblings? I have uh, two other siblings. So, and your siblings, for your role models and someone to pave the pathway for you, was there anyone that went to seminary school or really dove into Christian theology that was like a role model for you and kind of gave you the blueprint? Or was it a path that you found on your own? Well, I would say that my parents were both very serious in raising uh, all of their children in the faith. I remember growing up, uh, my dad would sit down with uh me and my sister, and he would read the Bible to us, not just a children's Bible, but like an actual Bible filled with all of the genealogies and the Psalms and all of the boring bits. Um, and sometimes he would stop and explain things. Sometimes he would just read on. And um, I, I felt like that 
instruction was very valuable, but it's not necessarily something that would have brought a love of books into my life. What brought a love of books into my life, uh, one summer, my mom ordered off, a, I don't know, maybe like 200 books uh, from an online bookstore. Um, and she told my sister and I that if we uh, filled a sheet uh, full of book titles, I believe it was like 25, 26 different book titles, we'd get paid $5. And uh, I, I remember just completing a sheet, thinking to myself, I did it, I, I got it done and over with, uh, and now I don't have to worry about it again. Um, but there were a lot of good titles uh, in that selection. And uh, I think that it really contributed to um, my love of literature and what kind of stories I wanted to tell. And I know for certain for my sister before that moment in time, she was not an avid reader. She just had a total disinterest in books. And then once she was being paid to read books, she just started devouring them like one after the other. And it got to a point where later on in the childhood, uh, I think she was reading like a book a day, maybe two but now she just watched it, watches Netflix. Nice. And it's good how you had those seeds that were planted in you as a young, as a young person. And now you start to see those seeds taking root in your adulthood. And so whenever you, um, come in contact with someone who may be struggling with their faith, what are some things that you would do to encourage them and not necessarily like, you know, Bible thump or tell them Jesus is real or God's not dead or whatnot to kind of show them a glimpse into your world without offending them? I would say that the first thing that I do is I want to ask person why is it that you believe the way you believe uh what exactly brought to brought you to this point where you might have this crisis of faith or you've given up on faith entirely um i've had the chance to listen to some of those kinds of stories over the last couple of months um my friend matthew um i remember him telling uh me that he was born a lutheran into a lutheran family um, and then because uh, one of his uh, uh, pastoral leaders insulted his deceased uncle at that uncle's funeral, uh, he just got so turned off from uh, the Christian faith that he began his own search into uh, what was right for him before eventually settling on Nordic paganism of all things. Um, and obviously there's a lot that I disagree with, um, in, in terms of that approach, in terms of that attitude. Um, but I do feel like there is uh, something valuable in asking a person like that, why is it that you are the way that you are? Um, why do you believe this to be true, um, in comparison to what I believe to be true? And if, if, if we are in disagreement with each other, is this something that is going to be uh, a driving wedge between us or is it something that we can continue to negotiate and navigate um, in our friendship? 
And I like that you start with asking them a question to kind of understand their viewpoints and go beyond the surface level because sometimes people are never asked those questions or maybe it's life circumstances like your friend Matthew. Um, what turned him off was having the, someone in the pastoral staff make whatever comment they made about his deceased uncle. So he probably felt like it was very disrespectful or judgmental. And I could speak from um, me. I grew up in a very religious and spiritual household, um, probably similar to yours. And I remember that my father was raised Catholic because he was from South America and my mother was raised Anglican, which I guess is similar to Lutheran or Lutheran. And after my father passed in November of 2020, I began to question God because I was like, I don't understand how someone who loves you and serves you, tells other people about Jesus, the goodness of you, dies due to medical negligence and goes way too soon. But then I had to realize that it wasn't my fight. And there's a plan for everything. And we may never understand the why until we finish going through the entire test. And it's so true that, you know, the teacher is always quiet when the test is being administered, because you have to go through various trials and tribulations and learn from those tests in order for a testimony to be birthed and produced. Yeah. And of course, in in your situation, I would also like ask questions such as, how old was your dad when he died? Uh, Was he like in his late 40s? Was he early 60s? If he was in his late 60s, even though he might have been able to live for 10, 15, 25 more years, um, would you have been able to accept that? it was his time to leave the earth. Um, do you believe that um, he, he died uh, proud of his life, uh, that um, he didn't have many loose ends uh, left over? That, that, those kinds of questions that I want to ask. Yeah, there's a lot of questions there, um, but my dad, um, he died due to medical negligence, so eight days after having a surgical procedure, my dad was found unresponsive in his hospital room, and his hospital room, coincidental, was right across from the nurse's station, but I'm going to leave that there for now, and I want to switch gears, um, Nathan, into narrative construction, and what you mean by narrative construction and how you complement that with your passion for Christian theology and some of the work that you're doing via your podcast, in your community, as well as behind the scenes. Okay. So when I'm talking about uh, narrative construction, I'm talking about things like uh, two-act structure, three-act structure, five-act structure, um, character development, how one character goes from point A to point B, Typically, you'd want to write that character in a way where they're able to overcome some sort of central flaw, unless you're writing a tragedy. In that case, they succumb to that flaw. Um, And I I feel like in my case, I am so swamped with other projects, other uh, things going on in my life. Uh, As you mentioned at the start of this podcast, I am a university student. I am trying to fight for the rights of uh, postal workers here in Canada. 
And uh, both of those endeavors are taking up uh, quite a bit of my time. I don't really have time to write stories. I write speeches instead. Um, but I, I do know that if I were to go about writing a story, I want to write one which has a, a clearly defined structure uh, where characters uh, change and not, not necessarily because it's, they're reactive, it's because they're, they're trying to process what's going on in the world around them and they're trying to be a little more reflective um, than what you might otherwise expect. And I, I, I think that outside of writing stories, I am someone who chooses to view life as a story. Um, I am not the main character of that story. You are not the main character of your own story. We're supporting characters in each other's stories. Uh, you're probably you're a guest role in my life for now. Uh, you might be recurring, uh, depending on whether or not we choose to pursue a friendship after this recording is done. Um, and you have you have so many different people uh, coming in and out of your life, and it might feel like there is no overarching theme or structure to any of it. Um, but I do know that taking a look back at my own life and knowing where I've started in life and where I'm at right now, um, I know that it's it's been a very crazy story. It's been a very long-winded story. It's like, I don't know, maybe a 2024-book 20, uh, series so far. But it's been it's 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 been filled with dramatic moments, uh, character development, twists and turns, and I feel like life as a whole it just makes infinitely more sense if you view yourself as if you're a character story, and God is the person who's writing that story for you. That's a different um, way of looking at things, and thank you for elaborating. Um, there. And I want to ask you, what are you studying currently right now in university? I'm studying business management and German. Uh, okay, business management and German. And then the next part is why is the fight for postal workers in Canada so um, so prevalent for you right now? Like, were you a postal worker? Do you know people that are postal wor workers? Or what's the driving factor behind your fight? I am a postal worker. Um, right now, uh, we are seeing a number of people, not like a huge majority, but it's like a minority of people um, being put on leave without pay uh, due to very questionable circumstances. And I, I know that uh, as as a casual employee, I don't get called into work that often. Um, I know that I don't really have as much of a stake in this fight as, say, a, a postal worker who's been working at the company for 15, 20, 25 years. Um, but I see the injustice that's being that's 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 happening at the moment, and I don't like it. I, and I feel like if I have an opportunity to help these people out beyond helping myself out, because obviously I'm still employed by the company, I'm just not getting paid by them at the moment. 
um, then I'm going to do what I can to help them out and to uh, make sure they receive some form of justice. And do you feel like some of the things that you guys are dealing with, with the postal, um, the postal workers as a whole is tied in correlation with the pandemic by any way? Yes. Uh, and if I might be frank, I, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to step over your toes because I don't know what your beliefs are in regards to the pandemic. Um, but uh, the reason why we've been put on leave without pay is because uh, our company uh, is instituting a vaccine mandate. Um, I, I'm not vaccinated. Uh, most of the people I'm working with are not vaccinated. Um, and uh, it's, it's not necessarily like we're doing this to spite anyone. We're not doing this because we want to hurt anyone. Um, it's more just like uh, we're, we're taking a look at the situation at hand. We're assessing it for ourselves. And we've come to the conclusion, for whatever reason, that at this period in time, um, we don't uh, need to get vaccinated. And our company's response has essentially been, well, that's fine. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to put you on leave without pay. We're going to uh, make sure that you're the one paying off your health insurance. And uh, we're going to do everything that we can to uh, destroy your livelihood until you agree to uh, get injected so that you can work at the company again. And uh, that's not necessarily a situation any of us feel particularly comfortable dealing with. Wow. So it seems like they're trying to um, pin you all against the wall, metaphorically speaking, and make it uncomfortable up until the point where you feel like it is necessary for you to get the vac um, the vaccine so you can continue to live an optimal lifestyle by them providing, you know, a monetary exchange. Like you get the vaccine, we'll let you come back to work, we'll reinstate your um, benefits, and then you'll get a paycheck. Yep. And whereas um, you all feel like you should have the say-so on what is being injected in your body and you're standing um, your ground on that. And I know some people who are unvaccinated say it's due to religious beliefs as well as other factors. So um, I always commend people for, you know, just standing up and fighting for what they believe in, whether if no one else believes it, if you have a strong belief and it's something that you have your reasoning behind it and you have evidence to support why you believe um, what you believe in, all of that, then hold your grounds. But then as we begin to um, wind down, because I want to be respectful of our time, Nathan, I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with a call to action based on what we talked about. We talked about Christian theology. We, we talked about narrative construction and also you fighting for something that you believe in strongly and not being forced to do something that is outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, so what I would say to your listeners is that uh, life is at times a very long, winding, unfair mess. And uh, sometimes it gets resolved. Uh, sometimes uh, 
you have to walk away from the battle and you have to be fine with losing. Um, but at the same time, if you are going to fail at something, at least put in the efforts to fail at it. Um, I, I don't believe that um, these battles, whether it's going to be uh, for the postal workers or uh, for what, whatever, whatever other company has to mandate, um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be won by one individual. Uh, I do believe it's going to be won by a workers coming together and uh, talking with each other, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, and just pushing back against these policies that uh, are in some ways discriminatory and unfair. Uh, and two, it's going to be determined by some may say luck, I say providence. Uh, so, for example, um, here in uh, my home province of Alberta, uh, we had a vaccine passport system from uh, September until March. And uh, eventually that passport system, uh, it was taken off the table uh, and it, it wasn't because of anything that I was doing in my work as an activist, though I'd love to take the credit for that. It was because uh, a, a group of truck drivers decided to drive down to the border and occupy the border crossing and just make sure that the government uh, rescinded uh, the vaccine passport system. And uh, that came about through initiative. It also came about through, I can imagine, just an insane number of coincidences, things working together to make sure um, that the story could play out the way that it was intended. And I know that some people would say that it was just like random chance, or it was just like the human spirit um, breaking uh, against the tyranny. But I, I truly believe that there is divine will at work. And uh, that can be for something as major as uh, a border occupation, or it can be something as simple as uh, choosing to go on a podcast and uh, talk with someone who you've never met before. And thank you for sharing your truths and really leaving the listeners and viewers with a call to action. And for anyone interested in connecting with you or engaging in a conversation like this further, how can they reach you, Nathan? Um, so I operate a podcast called Because We're Not the Same. And its website is uh, labeled BWNTS. Uh, C-A-S-T dot WordPress dot com. That is the way that I would prefer to be uh, communicated with. Uh, I also have other social media accounts, but I prefer to have those uh, be personal interactions with friends. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. I'll make sure that your WordPress um, site is in the show notes. And for you listeners and viewers out there, you just heard Nathan Ray. We talked about Christian theology, narrative construction, and his fight for postal workers in Canada. And if you're interested in learning more about what he's doing, he says his best way is via his website because we're not the same. And until we chat next time, peace, love, 
and lots of blessings. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share with a friend. We're on 40 plus platforms and follow us on YouTube. Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp for all things video content. Until we chat next time, have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of Gems Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S Kemp K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.